1: It's the Ball Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am B-Don, joined by the fantasy master,
2: Lothario himself, Rasball own Gray Albright. How are you doing over there, Gray? Hey, what's going on, B-Don? So uh, on today's show, second baseman, this is going to be awful. <laughs> this is not a good position. I'm sorry. I don't, you know what? I don't like spoilers, but I'm going to have to spoil it for some people listening at home. Not a good position.
1: Uh. <laughs> well, you know, there is just like, the, there's the thing that like every position is terrible. So now it's, it's like, it's the average, <laughs> like this is just the average position because it's awful gray.
2: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a fair point. It's like the outfielders are like the world's tallest midgets and then you have just varying <laughs> shades of little people underneath them.
1: it not- shortstop may be okay if, if certain people show up, but if they don't and they they aren't who we thought they were, then it becomes
2: terrible yeah. like
1: the rest of them. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah it's it's not good. You know what you know what it's like when you uh, when you turn the baseball into a bowling ball it's just like (laughs) things are going to happen that you know unfortunately hitting is a little bit down and second basemen are really hurting i don't know like if you look at second baseman and this is about second baseman so we're not just this isn't just idle chit chat before we do a (laughs) four-hour podcast this is serious (laughs) business and no one should be fast forwarding but if you look at second baseman and then you look at someone like Jeff Kent who just fell off of the Hall of Fame uh, ballot and you're like if he were playing to if he were playing now he'd be a surefire hall famer, right? Like, but because he played during when people weren't sure if everyone was on steroids or, or if it was because of like, he was in the lineup of bonds or if he just wasn't a good teammate or he was a bad glovesman. I don't know. Whatever the reason is, honestly, I would have voted for Jeff Kent, but anyway, second baseman are really bad, man. <laughs> They're bad. Yeah. Position is not good. So
1: let's get to it. Yeah, let's go ahead and just jump into it. Number one is Bookie Betts, who we went over in the top ten, and he only qualifies there in Yahoo and Yahoo-based kind of based, uh, eligibility leagues. We've already talked about him. Moving on to number two, that is Marcus Simeon. Last year he went 26 home runs, 25 stolen bases, 101, 83, 248. You have him projected this year for 31, 22, 104, 79, 246. So a few more home runs, a few less steals, but – Pretty much in line with what we saw last year, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, we're getting right to the negativity <laughs> right, right, off the, right off the bat. Literally, I'm gonna have to get negative on this because I'm number one
1: second baseman,
2: yeah, yeah, the number one second baseman in, in most leagues, um, just about all leagues except for Yahoo, but even like in Yahoo, Anthony Rizzo still has uh second base eligibility, so you know, who knows with Yahoo, but yeah, so the number one second baseman, Marcus Simeon who I do like. So take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt. Um, but yeah, his first two months weren't good. Right. I mean, he was really bad. He was like, he was basically like, if you had him last year, you were potentially dropping him in shallower leagues. And in deeper leagues, you were like, huh, I wonder what's going on with the uh, donkey teeth and fantasy football. <laughs> Cause <laughs> because it was really bad. I mean, it was like, uncomfortably bad uh, his uh, first two months. So here's a little something that uh, <laughs> some people might know about. Other people may not. So it turned out that the Rangers started using a bouncy ball to commemorate their 50, 50th year in the league. Um, and that didn't start until May. So Marcus Simeon, I mean, I don't know if it was because of the uh, the bouncy ball. Like, I I don't know. Like, you know, it's like so hard to get (laughs) like direct answers from MLB. It's like no one wants the cop to having a different ball, even though it's so obvious that they had a different ball. I mean, Albert Pujols and Aaron Judge (laughs) hit the most homers. (laughs) I I mean, Aaron Judge maybe like that maybe covers for MLB a little bit. Cause if you look at Aaron judge, you're like, Oh yeah, he could totally lead the league for the final two months of the season. But then you look at Albert pools and he was like, I mean, he was a hundred years old and he had like seven homers the year before for the whole season. And he starts using a bouncy ball and suddenly he's leading the league, you know, because, um, you know, not to go too far down this road, because if you don't know by now, I, I don't know how much I can really fill you in. <laughs> but basically, the balls that uh, MLB wanted to track, if it went into the stands, those balls were different than other balls. So any balls to commemorate things. So the Texas Rangers 50th anniversary ball. Aaron Judge chasing uh, Maris's balls. Those were uh, <laughs> Aaron Judge chasing Maris's balls. Take that out of context. <laughs> no, Aaron Aaron Judge chasing Maris's record. Those balls were different because MLB wanted to track them when they went into the stands. And Pujols's balls were different. So you saw what it did for Judge and Pujols. I mean, so I don't know, man, with the Rangers. Like the the entire Rangers team from the hitting side of things really has me worried about this. Like, I'm you know, I'm I'm thoroughly concerned. Marcus Simeon at home across the entire season only hit 10 homers and he hit 210 and 16 homers and 285 on the road. And in April, he he hit zero home runs in April and 157. And in May, He hit one homer and 233. So, I mean, it was really – he was really bad. He then became – like, you know, why he's the number one second baseman is because he became the best – he became a top ten hitter in the entire major leagues from, like, June through October. So he became really good, but he was really bad to start the year. And then the Rangers started using this ball, and Simeon suddenly (laughs) turned on. Like, it's really – fishy man and unfortunately uh I like I mean I would draft Simeon but I'm I'm super hesitant I'll be honest and this is the first second baseman off the board so it's not a great position
1: yeah I mean he's in second base is the last position off the board right now like that's how bad the position is and how much how many question marks there are around it Uh, it's just it's crazy and Simeon doesn't help the case because in his last like four full seasons, he's had as low as ten stone bases, as high as twenty-five, and home runs he's hit as low as fifteen and as high as forty-five. So Simeon himself is like the the like case for which ball are they using this season? Like if it, if it's a, if it's a bouncy ball, he's he can hit like forty home runs. If it's a kind of bouncy ball, he's a thirty home run hitter if they throw a dead ball out there, he might be, it might be over. Like if if it just doesn't pick up like he did last year, if they don't swap in some, you know, bouncy balls in Texas or whatever, whatever was going on there. Um, So there's, there's definitely a concern there with Simeon, despite him, you know, kind of being the consensus, consensus number one second baseman, either him or the guy you have at number two, or I guess technically number three in your, in your rankings page and Jose Altuve.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Go ahead. You want to go into Altuve?
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll go ahead and move to Altuve. He had uh 28 home runs, 18 stolen bases, 103, 57, 300 last year. You have him projected for 27 home runs, 14 stolen bases, 106, 72, 289. Uh, I and mean, Jose Altuve is another one that just I'm I'm probably I might tuck I might go with Simeon. He still has shown like he put up his career high stone base at 31, which isn't a great sign, but at least it shows that he's still willing to steal. Like I, Jose has lost that upside, and I'm I'm worried he's he's going to bottom out here,
2: Grant. Yeah, no, completely. Like Jose Altuve, you know, for uh, again, <laughs> this is the first tier, so you would you would hope for more positive <laughs> a- affirmations from me when when we came to discussing these players. But so H- Jose Altuve, for people who don't know, like uh you know he's aging and his like 315 foot home runs can easily turn into 280 foot outs um you know for another like for other examples like look at a guy like Miguel Cabrera he was like one of the, he was one of the best hitters in the entire major leagues for the longest time and then suddenly his bat slows And he's just like a 240 hitter with 12 home runs. Like that's, (laughs) I mean, unfortunately, you know, like, I don't want to be like Mr. Doomsday here, um, but it's not good. Like at a certain point players are going to age and Jose Altuve's numbers. Like you look at them and they're like, you're basically hoping that he can just hold everything together for one more year. that's not really what you want from a guy you're drafting at the point where you're taking out Tuve. Like, you know, you're not looking at a guy usually in the uh, you know, what is it? Like the third round he's going, it's like, you don't want to look at a guy in the third round and be like, huh, well, fingers crossed. He can just like, keep it together for one more year. That's not good. (laughs) You know, like that isn't what you want. So yeah, I mean, last year he stole, you know, he, he, he upped his steals again, like you said. I mean, he stole a few more bases. So maybe, you know, because, like, what I was going to say with Simeon, too, with Simeon and uh, Altuve, like, if, you know, worst-case scenario, hopefully, fingers <laughs> crossed, the floor is, like, 20, 15, 265. And 2015 15, 26, 20 homers, 15 steals, 265. I mean that's that's not awful. I mean it's obviously it's not what you're paying for, but if as long as they can get like some steals, you would assume the homers won't bottom out completely. So if the homers don't bottom out completely and you know they both get like, you know, some steals, you would hope at worst like <laughs> they're going to be somewhat valuable. Like that would probably put them in the range of uh, I want to say like maybe top 60 uh, overall. So lower than they're going, you know, Altuve is actually, Altuve is the first guy off the board at NFBC. He's going at 34 overall. So, you know, if you lost in fantasy value, if like you take him 34 overall and he ends up at like 60, 70 overall on the player rate or at the end of the year, it's still not terrible. I mean, it's, you know, it could be worse, you know, like it could, like he could be completely bottom out and, you know, give you no value. But as long as it's like some value, and I think for Simeon and Altuve, I think their floors are probably high enough where it's not as risky maybe as we're making it sound, but there's definitely some, there's some risk here. Like Altuve has managed to, fend off father time for a long long time but I mean in reality it's going to catch up at some time I mean it's it's just it's without without fail it catches up with everyone so it's going to catch up with him too uh hopefully it's not this year
1: yeah I mean the, the fact that Simeon's not a high average player to begin with isn't in his favor and as you mentioned kind of the Albert Pujols Miguel Cabrera line was like Age thirty three, age thirty four, they never really got either power. They never really got the power and average together. They who also uh, specifically had a power season, but like it wasn't the same ever again. Like Altuve's in that same line, and he's five foot six, like one sixty. <laughs> so there's there's a little bit of a reason. The comfort boxes are probably the only thing keeping me from being completely out on Altuve, but at his draft cost, at current draft cost, I'm probably out because he, he's getting overdrafted because of how bad second base is. I mean.
2: Actually, I, I said the second basemen were the uh, world's tallest midget of positions and Altuve, I guess, <laughs> fittingly <laughs> is number clear. one to that position. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, moving on to number four, the next two guys are, you know, they should be up here, but they had they missed a lot of time last year. Number four is Ozzy Albies. Last season in 64 games, he had eight home runs, three Stone bases, 36, 35, and 247. You have him projected for 27, 14, 82, 87, 254. He had the foot fracture that cost him a lot of 2022. And, uh, and Rudy's projections are, are pretty down on the power uh, he's down to 20 home runs. He's never failed to hit 24 in a full season of games. What are you thinking about here, Gray? Where are you at in, in Rudy's compare? What do you What do you think about that? A power drop from Rudy? Uh
2: well, I think with Ozzy Albie's, there's like there's two scenarios here. So it can either be you throw out last year completely, and you know, as many people threw out like the 2020 season, his last year could basically be, I mean, he had 64 games. It could basically be like, you know, just throw it out. It's not, it's not even worth looking at. So that's one scenario where it's like Ozzy Albies was not good last year, but it doesn't matter because he was injured, and then he came back from injury, and then he was playing with an injury, and at no point was he really, you know, at no point did he really find his group. Now, the second scenario, and the scenario, and the scenario that I'm trying to you know uh, be optimistic and i'm i'm you know aiming that this is the right scenario that's the scenario where you are just throw out the last season and it has nothing to do with anything it's just like and that's it there's there's no there's no correlation so it's either last year what there was correlation from last year or or there's no correlation. I'm hoping that there's no correlation. I'm hoping that last year was just a blip on the radar. It was just an off year and you just got to look past it and hope he goes back and he just continues on from how good he was in 2021. Like that's basically what you're, you're, you're making that bet. And the other bet of expecting him to somehow, you know, be as good as he was, you know if, if somehow last year is a indication of this year then he's going to be awful too <laughs> it's not going to be good and i can understand then why rudy's projections are saying what they're saying um like i i'm guessing you know and there's no reason like if i don't actually have rudy's um rankings in front of me but i'm assuming he's way lower on ozzy albies like if he's if ozzy albies is uh you know, going at you know if he's hitting, say sixth in the Braves lineup, and last year is you know related to this year for him, and is a you know and is a the way he is now, his career is going. Then there's going to be, I mean, Ozzy Albies says it shouldn't be drafted in the top 100 overall, probably. Uh, I would guess, uh, according to Rudy's rankings, I'm saying. I'm willing to overlook last year. So, <laughs>
1: yeah, I,
2: I'm again, it. again, it's like, it's a, it's a mess. <laughs> it's like it's not good, but
1: yeah. I am with you. I, I will say I'm probably expecting more like 2019 numbers than 2021 numbers. You know, if he gives me 25, 15, which is pretty much what you have projected for him, that's, that's perfectly fine with what I'm expecting from him. Um, And I think the only issue with, with Albies and you kind of mentioned it there without bringing it up and and kind of pointing at it is, is the spot in the, in the batting order right now is five or six. It's probably two versus lefties. He's probably going to stay there. He's always, he's always crushed lefties, but he's always struggled versus righties. And so versus righties, you are looking at him dropping to five or six, which cuts into the plate appearances, which cuts into the runs and RBIs. So, there's there's that potential drop in just like overall value but as as a whole i don't think much changes
2: yeah yeah that's i think we're i think me and you are sort of on the same page yeah agreed
1: all right moving on to number five which is jazz Tissum jr last year he went 14 12 39 45 254 of course he had missed time as well you have him projected for 26-19, 79-69, 251. You know, he had he had a number of issues last season. So it's kind of the same scenario where you're, you know, are you willing to write it off? Although, you know, his, some of his issues were back and then knee issues at the end of the season. So are you willing to really write, you know, more, in my mind at least, more serious issues, more, more chronic issues, than what Albie's
2: was facing, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. I think there's like it's uh, whether or not you're betting on you know Jazz Chisholm to uh, bounce back uh, a little bit more than Ozzy Albies because his um, his skills were a little bit better. So you're assuming that because he was you know he had a, he had more power, more speed. Like, all these things uh, were more in, in Jazz Chisholm's favor. So you're you're guessing or you're assuming that he's going to bounce back from this, from last year, better than Albies. Because I see, like, an ADP, I see Jazz is above Albies. So I'm guessing that's what's going on there. Um, and I have Jazz below Albies because, like you said, I don't know. I don't I don't see like it's not good. Like he had he basically he had a bad back that knocked him out for months, and then in the in late September he had a torn meniscus that he needed surgery on. Now, of course, everyone's saying he's gonna be fine. And if you believe in like anecdotal things with like the clubhouse, I think from what I understand. He wasn't happy there because of, uh, you know, uh, uh, some guys that they no longer have there, I'll say. So he's going to be happier. So he'll be happier. And he's supposedly healthy. So he should be good. But, man, there's a lot of question marks on him, too, man. It's like question mark galore. <laughs> like it's like this entire position. Like And these, these are the first couple guys. Like, there's so much, so many question marks um yeah i mean honestly like jazz chisholm is going before albies like i said and i have albies before him like i said so there's a good chance i might i i mean i i wouldn't be surprised if maybe in one league if i have an opportunity to take chisholm i i might just so i have him in one league just to see what happens but in reality I don't know if I'm having jazz Chisholm. This, I don't know if I'm going to be drafting him this year. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it stinks to say that because I, I do think he's a lot of fun and I, and I can totally understand his appeal. Like he does have 30, 30 potential, but man, there is some major question marks.
1: There, there are some major question marks and uh, I'm, I'm with you in the Albies over Chisholm. I just feel like Albies injuries are, you know, there's a foot fracture. You, he got it fixed. I feel like he's, he's more prepared and, and I'm less worried about the ongoing issues with him. And I mean, as, as much as I like Chisholm's per game production and he's only going to be 25. So that that's definitely in his favor, but like his career high in games is 124 at any level. So there's also that that's factoring in that it doesn't really seem like anybody's bringing up, just the fact that he's never really stayed healthy for a full season yet. And, you know, that is kind of a, a learned talent in and of itself.
2: Yeah. No, ex- exactly. Yeah. I mean, how, you know, I mean, it may not matter to be quite honest if he gets to like, you know, August and he's having a great year. Like he's, if he's at like 25, 25 in August and then he tails off, for like the final six weeks, it may not matter because you know, in, in most leagues, you'll you, you should be fine if you're coasting at that point, and like anything over 25-25 is probably gonna be somewhat gravy. So I think you should be okay, like even if he tails off at the end of the season. But yeah, I mean that's a concern too. <laughs> it's all a concern, man. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. That's uh where I'm just just tumbling down the second base rabbit hole here. Moving on to the next tier, Andres Jimenez. Last year he hit 17 home runs, 20 stolen bases, 66, 69, 297. You're projected for 16, 23, 71, 60 or 76, 277. So a slight increase in stolen bases. I mean, Andres Jimenez feels like he's safe at the position. I mean, as, as safe as anything else that that's we've discussed so far.
2: Right. Yeah. So anyway, so this is a, uh, a new tier, right? So this is like guys who I, I feel like we're at a point where they're safer. I, I don't necessarily think uh, like Jimenez specifically, I don't think his upside is really like crazy high. I think he's probably more or less where he's going to be like with the projections, you know, plus or minus three, on the homers and steals but I, he feels he feels pretty safe in a lot of ways like you know last year i don't know if a lot of people uh remember but last year i mean he was already solid at the end of the year on the player raider like this is like he's already done his thing like it's like at this point you're just basically accepting like you know, if he repeats last year, which I think he's totally capable of. I don't I don't see why not. I I mean it, it feels like that's the kind of player he is. At worst, he's a little bit lower on the power, but at best, I mean he could be much higher on the speed. So if he was at 1720 last year, 297, he could easily be like, you know, maybe he falls in homers. He goes down to like 12 to 14 homers, you know, in worst case scenario. But he could also get up to like 30 steals. at, And he's a, he's a really high contact guy as well. So 270 and better pro, feels pretty doable for him. You know, feels uh, pretty much neutral on his luck um, at 270. So, yeah, I like him a lot. Uh, especially for his cost in uh, drafts. Like he's honestly, I'm probably going to have some shares of Jimenez because there's a good chance. Like he falls to me because right now he's going much later in drafts and I have him higher in my ranking. So it's just very possible because he's going at like, you know, he's going at like 80 overall uh, in drafts. Uh, but after, a uh, guy like Tommy Edmond, who I have later. So there's a chance that I, I end up with Jimenez. I mean, not, not in every league, but there, there could be a chance where I get him in a, a few leagues. Like, he's definitely on my radar. And this is like, you know, from this point till about, you know, uh, well, we'll get to the guys in the next tier. But this tier, I could see drafting. I'm not necessarily reaching for them, but if they're there – at like you know like I said with Jimenez at, at like eighty and I have the next couple guys all in that in that sort of same area of around eighty overall. So if like these guys are there, I could see drafting them. Um I'm not like I'm not in love with them. I'm not reaching for them, but I, I could totally see if they if they fall to me in the right spot, I could see grabbing a Jimenez type.
1: Yeah I find myself actually really hoping he falls to me as I'm drafting because I, in the eighty range, I absolutely love him. I, I don't really want him earlier than that. Like I, I don't feel like reaching for him too much more than that. I will take him in the seventies, but that's that's about as far as I'm going. But like I do like him. He was the thirty seventh fastest sprint speed last year. The underlying numbers improved across the board, and I mean like every single number that you want to talk about improved. Like his ISO improved, his OPS improved, his Well, but his WRC, his WRC plus, his K rate, his walk rate, his contact rate, his, his swing percentage outside dropped, like his hard hit rate improved his barrel, like every number of his improved. And he's, he's only going to be 24. Like, I really feel like there's, this is the kind of guy that normally gets a lot of helium and ends up in like the top 40 somehow. So if, I can get him in the in the 80. Um, he's not getting the helium, pushing him up to the area that I don't want to draft him. I, I feel like, again, I feel like he's as safe a bet at second base as it comes. Moving on, though, uh, number seven is Gleyber Torres. Last year he went 24-10, 73-76, 257. You're projected for 25-11, 81-78, 261. You know, as you mentioned, this is kind of a area of second base that you could see yourself shopping in. I really didn't think I'd be in on him, but given where he's gone in some drafts, if he if there's not that big second base run right after you see Jimenez go, like there's a big gap, and I, I kind of like where he falls sometimes, Gray.
2: Hmm. Yeah. No. Completely. I'm actually like he's one of those guys where I'm surprised at like because like last year. Uh for glaber torres i wrote a sleeper post for him and i was all in on him i drafted him in a bunch of places and i was i was happy with the results and he produced and then this year he's kind of going in the same area like there's been no movement on his draft price like maybe a little bit i think last year he was at like 170 and this year he's at like 115 so he's gone up a little bit but still 115 i have him Ranked in the eighties overall. So I'm totally in on Gleyber Torres. I'm even willing to reach on him a little bit. Cause I'm really a fan. I think he's probably like, as of right this second, I mean, maybe not every game, but he's going to be hitting in front of Aaron judge for a decent amount of games in Yankee stadium. I mean, it's just like, it's a recipe for success. You know, like it's hard to see too much downside there. Like, I see his numbers, and I see, like, his um, his steals are basically, you know, they have – a year over year, his steals have been, like, the same. So it's really, like, the question of whether or not his power is going to be there. And I don't see why he can't repeat, you know, 20-plus homers again. Like, in 2021, obviously the power was down. But, you know, I – I was willing to overlook it. Like I said, I wrote a sleeper post for him last offseason, last preseason. So I'm like, you know, I I saw the power improving. And there was one year where he hit 38 homers in that uh, bouncy ball year of 2019. So, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. Like 25 homers, 10 steals, 260 in front of Aaron Judge for at least maybe – 300 at bats, he's going to be really valuable. I'm I'm all in on Glaber Torres.
1: Yeah, I like him as well. I, I guess the fear is there's some youngsters that could come for some of the playing time. Maybe he doesn't play, you know, a full slate of games, but he's never really played a full slate of games. And last year he still went 24-10, 257. If he does that in front of Aaron Judge instead of him where he was last year, which was kind of sliding all over the lineup he didn't really have a you know a, a necessarily a fixed spot and it uh so I, I feel like if he's just going to be kind of locked in there at at the top of the order when he is in there for that 140 games you're still going to get plenty of production from him for where he's going which is currently after 100 mm-hmm. agreed all right moving on to number eight tommy edmund last year he went 13 home runs 29 still, or sorry 13 home runs 32 stolen bases, 95, 57, 265. You haven't projected for 11 home runs, 26 stolen bases, 76, 54, 260. So just a slight decrease kind of across the board for Tommy Edmond here.
2: Yeah. You know, Tommy Edmond was a, a bit of a struggle for me. So like I said, I like this tier, um, but you know, to varying degrees. And obviously, as I said earlier, Tommy Edmond's getting drafted before a guy like, uh, uh glaber even before uh Andres Jimenez in some leagues so there's a very little chance I get admin this year and i am you know i'm pretty concerned because like if people had him last year i had him last year i was all in on him and he was fine he wasn't bad i mean you you read the numbers it was all you know it was all good my biggest issue was, and people uh, who, you know, had him might remember this. There, were certain po- there was a certain uh, point last year where the Cardinals started batting him ninth. Now, I think his glove probably keeps him in the lineup, but there, Cardinals have a ton of options. They always have a lot of options. Like, they're a team, like, somehow they they just create players out of nowhere. And it's like, oh, who's this? Nolan Gorman? Okay. Let let him get 300 at-bats. Like, oh, wait. Who's this? Juan? Yes. All right. Yeah, here you go. Here's 100 at-bats for you. What? What do you want? Hey, look at this guy over here. Hey, Dylan Carlson wants a-bats. Okay, let's go. (laughs) So there's, like, a ton of at-bats like that they just like they shuffle around the, their lineup so much. And Edmund, like if he gets, if he's hitting ninth for even a hundred to a to 200 at bats this year, I mean, it's going to hurt his numbers. There's like no way around it. Even if the lineup is good and it turns over hitting ninth is just not a great place to be. So I, I like Tommy Edmond a lot. Um, Like if his price was a little bit lower uh, but because it's not, I mean, I just I feel like I'm not gonna have Tommy Edmond on any legs this year. It's just like it's just un unfortunate because I do think if you have some power, which Edmund has, and speed, which he has, you really your your floor isn't that bad. So it's hard to be too awful. But yeah, I'm I'm just probably out on Edmond this year.
1: Yeah, there's kind of like a, a second base middle infield run that happens in that area where Edmund goes that he kind of gets swept up in sometimes. And it's like him, Andres Jimenez, uh, Corbin Carroll, um, Dansby Swanson, like all these guys, Odeo Cruz, like they're all kind of going at the same time. And people are like, oh, middle infield's going. I'm just going to go ahead and grab one while they are here. Uh, and so he, I feel like he gets a little bit of a boost again because because of what happens at the position, but also just the stolen bases in general, which is also why I tend to prioritize them early. So I have to reach for a guy like Tommy Ed, who I just I don't trust, despite him you know doing what he did last year. And to your point, he did lose playing time as the season went on. Um, I mean, Paul DeYoung had like forty starts in the last two months. So that's, that's not exactly what you want to see from a guy that you're drafting as early as you have to take Tommy Edmond. Alright, so moving on to our next tier here, Gray. We have Vaughn Grissom coming in at nine. Last year, in 41 games in the majors, he hit five home runs. He stole five bases 24, 18, 291. In high A, in 74 games, he hit 11 home runs, 20 stone bases, 312, and 22 games at double A. He hit three home runs, seven stolen bases, and 363. So, basically, he hit everywhere he went last year. Gray, you have projected for 16 home runs, 24 stolen bases, 67, 72, 286. Uh, I really like Mason Vaughn Grissom. Oh, man, I'm so in.
2: <laughs> I'm so in, bro.
1: I'm
2: so in, bro. Finally, second baseman I'm interested in. Yeah, no, I mean, this is like, so this is going into a tier where I'm, I I wrote a sleeper post for each of these guys in this tier, uh, Vaughn Grisham being uh, the first one. And I I love all these guys that we're going to talk about. And by all these guys, I mean there's three guys. (laughs) (laughs) So Vaughn Grisham's the first. So, yeah, I'm totally in. Now, I I realize I might sound like a hypocrite uh, because I just said that I worry that Tommy Edmund is going to be batting ninth, and Vaughn Grisham probably will bat some ninth. He'll be, he'll be batting ninth on occasion. But you know what? For the price, I mean, the price is just so dramatically different. Edmond is going at like 75 overall, and Vaughn Grisham is at like 185 overall so we're talking about a difference of like 110 looking great doing math what <laughs> and then you have like so with von grisham he's actually really interesting to me on like a uh, a psychological uh, maybe not psychological <laughs> but like but like in a big picture sort of way it's so interesting to me that like how with fantasy guys they do like you know Michael Harris II, so we'll stick with the Braves. So Michael Harris II, everyone – you know, obviously he was up in the league longer than Vaughn Grisham, but everyone loves Michael Harris II and has no problem drafting him. But then you get a guy like Vaughn Grisham who had like – he went – he had five homers and stole five bags and hit 291 as a 21-year-old In 41 games, I mean, I know it's a a small sample size, but, like, that's what he's done everywhere. And like I say in my rankings, when actually in in respect to, like, uh, Michael Harris II, I say this, I think, in my outfielder rankings, I talk about how, like, if a guy hits in high A and double A, it doesn't really matter if he ever gets a triple A. Like, triple A doesn't, like, guys who skip triple A – better for you man like good like you don't need triple a and most players and most like great players don't need triple a so the fact that von grisham slipped trip uh uh, skipped triple a and went from double a to the majors it just says to me like this guy is ready to go man like he is ready to go like i don't i mean i guess there's some concern about whether or not like the Braves might platoon him, but I mean he's a righty. Who are they platooning him out against? Like I don't I don't get I don't get the concern at all. Like if that's people's concern. If anything, I think there's a good chance that like Vaughn Grisham like not to put you know the Cavorka on Ronald Acuna Jr. But we know his knee is made of wet newspaper. So if Vaughn Grisham is healthy and Acuna isn't, guess who's batting leadoff? Like, I mean, maybe Michael Harris is second. But that means Vaughn Grisham's moving up to second at least. Like, there's a, there's, there's a lot of, like, um, possibilities here where Vaughn Grisham can move up in the lineup. So, yes, he's probably hitting ninth for some of the, the season, but... At his price at 185 overall, at his, like, you know, with his talent level, and he's such a steal, man. Like, I am so excited about drafting Vaughn Grisham <laughs> in literally every league. Like, we finally have a second baseman that there's no caveats. I am just super pumped about drafting him.
1: Yeah. I mean, I will say, like, the underlying numbers, if you're looking at, like, exit velocity and barrels and, and all that, really isn't overwhelming but also you have to remember he only had 41 games to collect those numbers versus 140 to 160 of a lot of the other guys that he's going against and again he hit at every level he's t- he's going to be entering his 22 year old season like he just has just ripped through the minors he's he's going to be great i agree gray but they, like you said like the lineup is is the question mark here
2: right yeah no completely but, i i get that but I don't get a 110-point, uh, uh, 110-drafting uh, swing from, like, an Edmund to a Vaughn Grisham. Like, I mean, I'm not saying they're exactly the same, but, I mean, if Vaughn Grisham is in the lineup for 140 games, his power is going to look better than Edmund, probably. His steals could look as good as Edmund. And his batting average might look better. So I get, like, the whole, like, you know, maybe hits ninth, which, you know, isn't ideal. But I'm really excited about Vaughn Gresham.
1: Yeah, I mean, if we're just talking about Tommy Edmonds specifically, there's a non-zero chance that he ends up hitting seven, eight, nine in the Cardinals lineup as well. Right. Yeah, exactly. All right, moving on to number ten. That is Tyro Estrada. Last year, he had 14 home runs, 21 stolen bases, 71, 62, 260 in his first kind of full season in the like, given his full season chance. Finally, you have projected for 16, 23, 87, 63, 262. And we are recording this and on February 8th, and it just happened to be like Tyro Estrada Day on Twitter. Like, everybody had their Tyro Estrada comment. Let's hear your Tyro Estrada comment,
2: Gray. Uh, Well, I actually, so again, so as I said, I wrote sleeper posts for all these guys in this uh, tier. So uh, Estrada is another guy, uh, second guy now. Second out of three sleeper posts, uh, Estrada was a guy who I looked at and I was like, okay, so on the player raider, like, this is a a huge, you know... um, not to give away all the secrets. <laughs> this is a this is a huge sort of like flashing light when I see a guy who shows up on the player rater from last year higher than he's being drafted this year. And that was I mean Estrada, like even if Estrada just repeats last year, just repeats it, he's going to be more valuable than his current 180 overall draft pick like it's gonna be without a question like it's he's easily gonna be more valuable than that I believe last year he was as valuable as uh the 135th pick so better yes uh so that's a you know so that's already like so that he has that in his favor that all he has to do is repeat now he can easily I think like so he's gonna hit lead off the Giants lineup isn't good he's gonna hit lead off though. So he's going to hit leadoff for as many games as they that you know they can throw him out there for. So if he's healthy for 150 plus games, he's going to hit leadoff for 150 plus games. He's got 20 steel speed as he did last year, and I think the power could potentially get better. Now I I don't know if he's like you know. Like he definitely didn't have the power uh in the minors. He didn't show power at least in the minors, but he had a swing adjustment. He's hitting the ball harder. He's got a uh he had 14 homers last year with in the with the with the dead ball that everyone had. And he's also got great contact. He only had a sixteen percent strikeout rate. I I mean, I think two I think two eighty well, I think fifteen homers, twenty-five steals. And 280 is probably the ceiling, but those are really good numbers. (laughs) Those are like, I mean, you're basically talking about a top 50 to 60 overall guy. So there's nothing but, you know, bonus value here. So I would, I would definitely be drafting him. Actually I've already in the one, my one draft champions league so far, I've already drafted Estrada and yeah, I would do it again. Like he's, Honestly, too, I like the uh, I like the second base shortstop eligibility. So yeah, I'm I'm a fan.
1: Yeah, I think at draft cost, there's I mean, I have no issue with him. He, people are talking about him like he's going in like inside the top 100. He's going outside the top 150. Usually outside the top 170. So if you can get him at that price, I mean, I think the the bottom numbers that you're looking at giving a full you know, slate of games is probably like 10, 10. And that's like if the bottom just falls out and he's nothing that we thought he was. And I I think realistically it's probably 15, 15 with, with upside. I don't, he's not that, he's not like overly fast, but it's not, you know, steals are more as much opportunity as they are, you know, speed to some extent. So I, Sitting at the top of the lineup, at the top of the bad lineup, that should provide those opportunities for
2: him. Yeah, no, completely. And you know, I think there's also like it's. I, I know he didn't he didn't come with this. Like uh, you know, he didn't come up. Like uh, I don't think anyone expected him to be a big prospect. You know, coming up, but. I don't know. A lot of people don't come up with a big prospect, (laughs) you know, with uh, huge uh, prospect aspirations of like, you know, greatness, but do really well. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what, what people are seeing that I'm not seeing because honestly, like I said, all he has to do is repeat last year. Like that's it. Like he doesn't have to grow on it. He's if he repeats last year, he is value.
1: Yeah, yeah I, agree. yeah, I agree. Moving on Moving to number on. 11 is C.J. Abrams. Last season in 90 games, he hit two home runs, seven stolen bases, 33, 21, 246. He had a number of games in AAA, and he basically went uh, seven home runs, 11 stolen bases, and he hit you know, over 300 across his AAA season. You have projected for six home runs. 31 stolen bases, 77, 61, and 274. I'm st- I'm still pretty excited about CJ Abrams, who was you know a, a top prospect for a-, a few years here, waiting for him to come up, and I'm I'm not ready to give up just yet.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. You know, CJ Abrams is a good example of like something that I see all the time. It's like, you know, maybe I just am too dialed in. <laughs> maybe I'm maybe I'm too maybe I'm I'm too smart. <laughs> but listen, so here's the thing. If CJ Abrams were to be in the minors for like the first month of the season and and he were to get called up a, a like in May 1st, he would be getting picked up and you'd be dropping guys who are getting drafted before him. Like so many guys, like, you know, like, like for instance, like Whit Merrifield is going like 50 picks before him. Like there's no, like, and I'm talking, obviously I'm talking shallower leagues, than most – than, you know, uh, like 12-team or shallower. So 12-team uh, mixed or shallower. So, But still, like there's so many guys that like – you know, Gavin Lux is going before C.J. Abrams. Gavin Lux, we know Gavin Lux is like <laughs> a, a seven-homer, two-steel guy who's going to hit 260. Like I – I mean, stop with the Gavin Lux already. Like it's—I I mean, I don't know. It's just like I see C.J. Abrams. He's actually so he's another guy I also wrote a sleeper post on. So I feel like, like people don't think—I don't think they quite understand how fast he is. Like he could steal forty bags, and you know the Nationals have no reason to not let him run. So you know, with with steals, it's really just about opportunity and. The, the want to steal, and I don't see why he wouldn't want to steal. I think there's a good chance that, you know, he hits at the like the top of the lineup or maybe second behind Lane Thomas, and, you know, it's not going to be a great lineup, but he had a 16% strikeout rate last year as a 21-year-old in the majors. I mean, he only hit 246, but that was with a a, a low Babbitt for him. He's He's easily... A 330 plus Babbitt guy. Like he should be hitting 270 plus with like 30 plus steals. He might surprise with, you know, five to seven homers. Five, like seven, let's say, let's say five homers only. Five homers and 30 steals and 270. Uh, I'm tell I mean, come on! Like that's like there's nothing but value there, and he's going at like 240 overall on ADP, and that's for NFBC. By the way, for all these all these guys that I say ADP for, it's all NFBC, which I will say is you know a smarter group in general uh, of drafters than you're going to find at like ESPN and Yahoo. Like the the regular like if people who are in like friends and family leagues that draft at ESPN, you could probably get CJ Abrams at like 300 overall. I mean, there's no one there's no one drafting uh, Estrada or Abrams, maybe not even Grisham at like you know if you go to Yahoo, you might be able to get these guys way later. I don't know. I don't know their ADP in those leagues, uh, to be honest, but I'm guessing that, you know, they're going later. So, yeah, C.J. Abrams is like nothing but – it's value, again, that is like I can't
1: wait to draft him in every league. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's going after like 220 Gray. He's going so late, and he's hitting at the top of a lineup. Like just having a player that's going to play every day – and hit at the top of the lineup with the potential to carry you in one, maybe even two categories. If he's you know hit, getting in a bunch of runs, like that is huge at two thirty. I'm kind of surprised that the prospect world has let go of C.J. Abrams so fast, given just you know ha- how fast he is and the fact that like he's not just kind of tapping the ball. He's not. Billy Hamilton, he has some authority behind his hit tool. It's not just, you know, a slap into the into the ground every time. Yeah,
2: no, completely.
1: All right, moving on, right, moving on to your next year, tier. Next Number 12 is Jorge Polanco. Last year, in 104 games, he had 16 home runs, three stolen bases, 54, 56, 235. You have projected for 22 home runs, five stolen bases, 71, 76, 242. Uh, He had some knee issues that ended his season early. This is kind of the, like, hold your nose and and hope for the best (laughs) area of the draft that we're in here, Gray.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, yes, for for me, and it sounds like for you, but for ADP-wise, like, people are drafting Jorge Polanco like last year never happened, which is, like, crazy to me because, like, if we look at his numbers last year, and we just assume that, you know, the dead ball really killed his power. If he's a, you know, even being generous, if he's a 20 homer guy with four steals who hits 250, Oh, 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 oh not good. I mean it's it's like so boring. Like you're gonna like you may think that sounds okay if he's hitting in the middle of the lineup. You may start like rationalizing yourself, being like, Oh yeah, well he's gonna hit fourth and you know he's gonna get good counting stats and 20 homers isn't bad you know it's all it's like half of what matt Olson's gonna do right <laughs> it's like whoa whoa <laughs> like what are you talking about man you're rationalizing things you're you're going you're losing yourself here <laughs> and you ain't m and M&M. let's like look at jorge Blanco's like numbers and you just like take him out across the season and you're looking at a guy who's going to hit one homer every 12 games and steal one bag every six weeks. You're going to be so bored, bro. You're going to be like, you're going to get to, like, May, and you're going to be like, why did I draft Jorge Polanco? He's so boring. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, like, honestly, and you look at, like, his numbers, like, compared, like, you look at where he's being drafted and his numbers, and you're like, really? Like, you're looking at, like, you're looking at some, like, guys, like, I, who I just mentioned, guys like Vaughn Grisham, um, CJ Abrams, uh, Estrada even, like, guys who are going, they're going after him in ADP. So, obviously, I'm not drafting Jorge Polanco. I'm drafting other guys when Jorge is going. But, like, if you look at, like, just, I mean, just take, like, Estrada and just, like, because he's, the, I guess, you know the safest of the three because Vaughn Grisham, you know, he has a smaller sample size, and C.J. Abrams is uh, still somewhat of a rookie. So if you look at just like Estrada, and he says he repeats his year and goes fourteen twenty, flip that so it's twenty fourteen, and then you look at Jorge Polanco, and even if you take me out of the equation, the Steamer projections for him are like twenty homers seven steals 255 is awful i mean it's awful (laughs) it's just awful (laughs) i mean it's like hard to rationalize like where he's getting drafted like the only thing that makes any sense is people are like well you know he had a knee injury so he's gonna get back to 2021 when he hit 33 homers he ain't getting back to 33 homers i don't care man it ain't happening his strikeouts were way up his, uh, his what we call it? His uh, his launch angle is insane. Like he has a twenty one point seven launch angle. He hits almost fifty percent fly balls. The my man is hitting like nothing but nonstop pop ups to shortstop. Like it's like stop hitting so many fly balls, Jorge Polanco. <laughs> his numbers look awful. Honestly, they don't look good. So yeah, I don't know. I'm out on Polanco. Oh, and by the way. Uh, we already we we already have mentioned all all three of the second basemen we're actually drafting this year. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've already established we have we, there's it's like a, we're doing a podcast of thirty five players and only three of them are good.
1: Three of them are ones we want, you know, at least where they're going, and, and that we'll be excited about. The other ones, you know, we may end up with the other second basemen, but it'll be like a oh, God, we have to fill this position. I, I didn't get those three guys. Now what do I do? Um, but, you know, let's talk about some of the guys that maybe now what do I do? Uh, Brandon Lau comes in at 13. He had eight home runs, one stolen base, 31, 25, 221. Obviously, he missed some time, dealt with back issues. I mean, you haven't – sorry, let me let me go and give you your projections before I get into it. Uh, you haven't projected for 26 home runs. Three stone bases, 67, 74, 226. Nobody thought he would repeat 2021. I don't know that we thought it would be that bad, Gray. Uh, it, it doesn't look like you think it's going to be that bad again. Um, but also, it, it's Brandon Lau.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like with Brandon Lau, you're, the bet you're making is that his back is fine and he's going to be good for... 130 games like that's I think that's the bet you're making with Brandon Lau again like I have you know like I said I got Grisham Estrada CJ Abrams I have guys above Lau so I don't think I'm going to get into a position where I'm going to be actually drafting Brandon Lau um if you need a you know a guy who could hit 25 plus homers and 225 Eh, okay. <laughs> go, go, go for it. I mean, I think it's like Polanco plus five homers minus 25 points on batting average is, you know, how I look at Brandon Lau if you're just comparing him to the guy right in front of him.
1: Yeah. I mean, and the problem with Lau's like just general profile is he just he swings at the first pitch, he tries to catch that first pitch fastball. And if he doesn't catch it, it's just it's just, it's just awful. And that's what we saw, you know, in his, his time last year. He swung at 45% of the first pitches he saw. When you're swinging at 45%, pitchers are going to start noticing that and just start giving you junk right off the bat. And yeah. that's, that was, uh, yeah. that's a bad profile, right?
2: Right. No, it is. Exactly. And I think it's like th- these guys are, are mostly drafted by, like, you know people who are who are drafting like starters early because they're like like these guys profile out as like high floor bets and usually like i'm not i don't draft starters high as everyone knows but i think people who draft starters high they get into a situation where they get later and they get later in the draft and they're looking at floors they're like well you know at worst Jorge Polanco or Brandon Lau or or these guys are going to give me, like, a certain amount on the floor so to buoy a little bit, like, you know, I, I can't – like, the people who take the starter high, they can't risk going for upside on a bat because they, they've – you know, they put so much faith into their starting pitching and they don't have the hitters up top. Like, you know, if you're missing – Say, I don't know, take a name, like take Machado. Say, if you're missing a Manny Machado up front, then you get to the back end and you're like, or, or not even the back end, but like the middle rounds. And you're like, well, I have to take a guy like, you know, a Brandon Lau or Jorge Polanco. Who's going to get me, you know, and then you start rationalizing things. You're like, Jorge Polanco is basically Manny Machado minus 20 runs. <laughs> like, <what? laughs> like, I mean, I don't I don't think that I'm saying that's how people start. That's how people start rationalizing things. They're like, yeah, I mean, Jorge Polanco, and Manny Machado, they're basically the same thing. Just just a hundred and twenty picks later. Like, no, no, that's not accurate. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's inaccurate. But I mean that's what happens and I think that's I think that's who these um I think a lot of the times that like the Polancos and the Laos of the world, that's who get that's who's drafting them at these spots. It's like guys who are guys who have already drafted, like, you know, uh they they haven't really drafted as high of upside or as solid as upside of a of floor guy, like, you know, in the early rounds. So they're trying to make up for it by having, like, really, like, solid, so, more solid floors, I guess, because I will say this for, like, a Polanco or a Lau, even though Lau's Lau's back was, you know, banged up last year, as you mentioned. So that adds a little bit of an element of unknown to them. But I will say this for, like, a Polanco or Lau, their floors are more than likely higher than a guy like a Vaughn Grisham. Like, I understand, like, I love Vaughn Grisham. you you can rewind the podcast 25 minutes and hear about how much I love. Him. <laughs> but but his his floor is lower. like I will give I will give people that like you know, and people don't necessarily always want a low floor. Like a lot of times they'll be like, yeah, you took Vaughn Grisham. great. I mean, you're saying he's gonna do you know uh, 15, 25 to70. but what if he does five, seven. 220 and he gets benched i i need a polanco who's going to give me 24 homers and a 240 average and three steals i mean it sounds boring but some people you know some people need that on their team
1: yeah yeah i mean that's just the way some people look at it i know and it depends on the depth of your league if you're playing in al in only in l or al only sometimes That playing time does matter, and you can't take as many risks as you're building out your roster. But in general, you know, we know most people play from, you know, a 10 to a 15 team league, mixed league. So most of the time, you can find, you you know, that balance of safety with the upside without reaching for, you know, a Jorge Polanco or a Brandon Lau, who are just going to give you. Likely such boring numbers um, across the board. And I, I just, again, they, they had the one season. They both put had one big home run season. So if you're chasing that, so be it. I, I don't really think it's going to happen again. But uh, just, I don't like the profile for either guy. Yeah. No, that's fair. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to most boring line in baseball. Uh, but oh, by the way, he would be drafted as like a top three catcher. Uh, Ryan McMahon, he uh, <laughs> hit 20 home runs, 7 stolen bases. He hit 67, 67, 246. You haven't projected forward 20 home runs, 6 stolen bases, 63, 67, 252. If you didn't really see much change in that line, it's because not much changed in that line because it's Ryan McMahon
2: yeah it's like ryan mcmahon or will smith the catcher (laughs) like eh, pretty much the same thing honestly mcmahon might have more speed so (laughs) i mean not not to completely shatter people's dreams about everyone who's drafting a high catcher but mm, we're talking about ryan mcmahon yeah it's kind of the same as ryan mcmahon (laughs) uh yeah so he's a he's another guy who doesn't actually have uh Second base eligibility in uh, in all leagues, uh, but he does in some. So yeah, I, I mean Ryan McMahon, I feel like with uh, like he's going at two twenty ish overall uh, on NFBC. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you know if you're in a a shallow enough league, I mean I guess in some leagues if you can platoon them out. When he's in away games? I mean, excuse me, when he's in home games? I mean, yeah, no, in away games. Yeah, when he's away, yeah. When, he, yeah, when right. he's in away games, yeah. Yeah, I had to write. Um, Yeah, I mean, if he's... If you can only play him when he's in cores, then, you know, more power to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it, might, it might be a good idea. But, yeah, for the most part, again, he's, like, he's a floor bat where you have, like, guys... And I know, like... And not to accuse Rudy... <laughs> Of, of being a floor player. But I know, like, I could see Rudy drafting a Ryan McMahon because he'll be like, yeah, I mean, you don't necessarily, you you don't know what the upside is going to be uh, for a, you know, Vaughn Grisham. But, you know, I could see Rudy's argument being like, yeah, but Ryan McMahon will give me 22 homers, five steals, 250. And good and and runs in rbis from an everyday player and that's all i need so i mean i can see that argument i don't i ain't making it though yeah
1: i can get that elsewhere i can get that later than yeah. where those guys are going though that's the that's the that's the issue for me and to your point uh i mean not to not to call out rudy when he's not here to defend himself again <laughs> like we always do uh but he has polanco seven he has Lau nine And he has Grissom at 21. So, like, and the projection systems across the board do not like Vaughn Grissom. Like, they do not like him at all. Like, they they all top him out at, like, 13 home runs, 13 stolen bases, like the max. And they just don't like him.
2: Yeah, sorry, not to interrupt, but I do wonder, too, like, if that's just them not knowing. Like, the sample size is so small that they're just not knowing him like they know other players because like Michael Harris, like if Michael Harris, the second would have had 41 games and did the same as Vaughn Grisham, he probably wouldn't be liked either. Like, it's just like, like if you're holding against Vaughn Grisham, just for the fact that he just wasn't up in the majors soon enough, he's only 21 years old. <laughs> like Like you don't hold that against like, Corbin Carroll like you're not like I'm I'm not I understand Corbin Carroll's like number 1 prospect in baseball so you know just like Gerard Klinik was but you know and uh, <laughs> CJ Abrams yeah, you know, or CJ Abrams like okay that aside but I'm saying though like it's like Vaughn Grisham you can't hold against him just for the fact that he just wasn't promoted early enough I mean he's only 21 years old so yeah I mean I don't I don't get it I mean honestly Looking at uh you know, since we're picking on Rudy, why why not? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't listen to this podcast anyway. So if you look at his second baseman rankings, like he's got he's got actually he's got Estrada at ten overall, then Lau, then Brandon Rogers, who I don't have for a long time, <laughs> then he's got Kettle Marte, then Jeff McNeil, then Segura, then Muncie, then Cronenworth, uh, then Urias. Okay, I'm not gonna list them all. But anyways, (laughs) he's got Vaughn Grisham at 24. I was listing, I listed from the 10th best to the uh, 16th best. So I I, I mean, that was like, you know, so some of those names I listed. So let's just take uh, Kettle Marte, for instance. I, you know, and we'll, I guess I, I haven't ranked him yet. We'll get to him, but I'll just say like, he's a floor bet. Like you expect Kettle Marte to be in the lineup most days hit in the middle of the lineup most days not be great for power, not be great for speed, maybe hit 270, but it's a it's just a boring like 15 homer, seven steel, 270 hitter who happens to hit third. So he's going to get good runs in RBIs. He may not even hit third. I mean, it depends on what they do with, like, McCarthy and Corbin Carroll. But anyway, that's, you know, on a tangent of just, like, when you see rankings and you see ADP, like, you're looking at a difference of possibly floors versus upside. And that is kind of contingent on what league you're in and how your team is made up.
1: Yeah. And then also just if you're looking at individuals and and you're jumping around, like individuals play differently. Gray and I tend to go for more upside. Uh, whereas Rudy, again, not to call him a floor guy, but he does take a little bit more in the number, the established numbers and, and puts a little bit more into those than maybe Gray or I, where we as may may project Avon Grissom out further. Um, but to you- and also, and also in, in, our, cause you know, I feel like we're, I have to defend
2: us and put down Rudy even further now. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But if you look at floor bets, like last year, I think Jonathan India was probably a floor bet. And look how that turned out. Like floor bets don't always work. Like Max Muncy last year was a floor bet. I told people to avoid him because he had an elbow injury, but still he was a floor bet just like every year, for the last five years or so Giancarlo has been a floor bet. Like, you know, everyone out there knows how much I love Giancarlo Stan, but he's a floor bet at this point. You're, you're hoping he does like, you know, 28 to 32 homers. It's just like, it's a floor, like floor bets are fine, but they don't necessarily, they're not necessarily safer. They just appear safer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We really don't know until we get into it. And, the problem with a floor bet is usually it's because their skills then aren't that loud, which means that if something slips, they really don't have anything to fall back on either. That's that's part of the problem with the floor bets. Um, but, you know. Yeah, like
2: that's, the, that's great. That's actually a great point. Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> like if they're not that fast and then they didn't lose power, you're getting absolutely jacked from them. Um, whereas at least the guy who's fast and young can steal you some bases and provide value. Um, and to your point about like the Grissom Harris thing at High A in Atlanta, so the same High A last year in seventy four games, Vaughn went 11-20, eleven twenty three twelve. In in twenty twenty one when Michael Harris was at High A, he was there for twenty six more games, so one hundred one games. He had seven home runs, twenty seven stolen bases, and two ninety four. So Grissom basically did almost the same thing. Maybe a little, like, a better pace, almost, except for maybe the power, in less games. So, it's, it is partially, like, what we saw. I love Michael Harris. I have no problem taking him where he's going, but this is kind of the point that we, we both feel like Grissom should be going higher, despite the projected low batting spot.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's like we're doing the second base rankings, a.k.a. Von Gresham. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Give us all the Von Gresham.
2: <laughs> we need a we need a third host to be like, okay, we should move on, guys. <laughs> all
1: right, speaking of, let's move on to number 15, Josh Rojas. Last season he had nine home runs, 23 stolen bases, 66, 56, 269. You have projected four nine home runs, 18 stolen bases, 61, 51, 261. Uh, I, I think the concern here is is kind of what we just got done talking about with our boy Von Grisham, just to tie everything back to him. I, I just the spot in the lineup. I just don't know. Last year you know, Arizona lost everybody and so he just kinda got shoved at the top of the lineup. I don't know that he, he keeps his spot this year.
2: Yeah, I know. I'm uh I'm actually I'm I'm more concerned about what was on with like Corbin Carroll and whether he plays against everyone <laughs> every time sorry every time I look at the Diamondbacks lineup that's the first thing I think of uh, but yeah with Josh Rojas no I agree I I don't you know I don't mind Josh Rojas really for uh like if he were going a little bit later I I don't really see myself drafting him like I think you know like I uh like I've said in the past like he's a lefty so he won't fa- he won't face lefties. Uh, another question mark with Corbin Carroll, by the way. But yeah, I don't think he's going to face lefties. But as I've said in the past, you probably don't want lefties facing lefties. They're not usually good at first lefties. So the fact that he doesn't face them isn't necessarily a bad thing. But it is going to you know it'll affect some of his counting stats. It'll probably take off like 15 to uh, 20 runs plus RBIs. So yeah, I mean I don't I don't mind Rojas. I kind of don't think I'm going to be drafting him, though, to be honest.
1: Yeah, it just yeah. feels like you're just chasing speed if you're going after Rojas. And, I mean, he's not even that fast. So if he drops in the order, does Arizona then ask him to run as much? I don't know, because it is about, you know, the teams and where they what they want you to do wherever you're hitting. Um, so as much as there's not a statistical correlation to batting vision and blah, 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 it does matter in managers' minds. So. Yeah,
2: no, completely. And <laughs> di- Diamondbacks are actually – they're they're like sneakily a very interesting lineup to be watching. And I don't – you know, I don't put really much weight in spring training lineups because, you know, like uh, a Shohei Otani will bat leadoff in <laughs> right. the spring training just to like get him at bats or something. Like it doesn't – like it doesn't really correlate. Like spring training at bats don't really mean anything. But I, I do think the Diamondbacks lineup can go a lot of ways. Like I – you know, people are assuming that like Corbin Carroll is going to hit leadoff and then Kettle Marte, then Jake McCarthy, then Christian Walker, then Josh Rojas. That'll be the top five. I don't know if that's going to be the case. They have Lords Guriel Jr. and Evan Longoria. I mean, we know Longoria is on the, uh, you know, he's on the tail end of his career. We know he's not, he's not going to be great, but he's also the kind of bat that, you know, randomly could hit fourth for no reason, and and just like and push Walker up, and McCarthy maybe goes up, Marte comes way down, Corbin Carroll maybe comes down. Like I don't know. I, I honestly, I I'm interested in seeing how the Diamondbacks lineup plays out. I don't think it's going to necessarily be how I just read it off of Roster Resource. If we're being totally honest.
1: Yeah, and I mean, if we're just looking at specifically, like, the spots where he can move up to. Like, if we're looking at McCarthy, lefty, lefty, Rojas, McCarthy, like, they basically had the exact same line last year. McCarthy had a little bit better average, which, you know, that that can be a little bit of bad news. But Rojas actually takes more walks, strikes out less. So, to some extent, it's better to get him more bats because he's a, a more patient hitter so there's there's also potential maybe he moves up to one if carol proves that he's just he is every bit the stud that we thought he was and carol moves down to three bumps mccarthy down to five like there's all sorts of ways that this lineup can kind of configure together depending on what carol does what Marte looks like coming back what mccarthy does what rojas does uh i mean there's there's a lot of moving pieces here and like you said like Longoria can magically just pop into the 3-4 spot because they're like, oh, he's a veteran presence, he'll take he'll take pitches. That's what we need at the top of the lineup right now.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, I'm not saying I would put Longoria at the
1: top of the lineup, but, <laughs> they I've, might. Seen
2: crazier, but I've seen crazier things happen from, like, major league managers. So, yeah, I wouldn't put it past them. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. All right, moving on to the next tier, number 16 is Max Muncy, Last season, he hit 21 home runs, two stolen bases, 69, 69, nice, and 196. (laughs) Uh, This year, you have him projected for 26 home runs, two stolen bases, 62, 71, and 219. Uh, And and I had here on the notes that he's he's the poster boy for the dead ball. But uh, as as you mentioned, the first time around that we recorded this second base podcast, it does <laughs> it does kind of coincide with with the injury as well. So I don't want to put the whole dead ball thing on him, but second base is is another position that has been just destroyed by the dead ball.
2: Yeah, no, it has, and and Muncie specifically, like he's going. Uh, right after glaber torres which i just find to be so funny <laughs> I mean, that's sort of, like, like that's some like that's some serious galaxy branding shit right there man <laughs> like you gotta really like figure that out like you gotta like somehow figure it out in your head that max Muncy's gonna bounce back in such a big way <laughs> like such a huge like not only will he not hit 200 which is very possible <laughs> but he's gonna hit, he's gonna bounce back to with like 35 homers he's gonna have crazy runs and rbis he's gonna stay healthy all year like you got a really galaxy brain max muncie to be drafting him right after glaber torres like that's crazy like it's really crazy <laughs> like honestly anyone who drafts max muncie that high I feel like their friend should have an intervention with that person. Be like, yo, yo, bro. Like, what's going on, man?
1: just like <laughs> yeah. the name? What's going on? The Double M's get you?
2: Did you hit your head? What's going on? <laughs> um, yeah. So, anyway, uh, I'm not drafting Max Monty. <laughs> <All right. laughs>
1: Moving on to the next guy, then. Uh, maybe you'll draft some of him. Uh, number 17, Jonathan India. Last year was a disappointing season for everybody at Ras Ball for Jonathan India. 10 home runs, 3 stolen bases, 48, 41, 249, in 103 games. You have him projected for 20 home runs, 9 stolen bases, 83, 65, 256. I mean, he had, he had everything below like his hip injured last season. Underlying numbers are bad, but uh, this is another one you just kind of have to look past it, or was it who Jonathan India is?
2: Yeah, well, I think with Jonathan India, the one thing that I really think he does have going for him is that Park is so good. Like, that's like the new course. Um, So maybe his power builds a little bit on his rookie year, and he ends up with, like, 25 homers, and he's got, you know, 7 to 10 steel speed, and he's always been a good hit tool guy. Like, he's, you know, he makes good contact. He should probably hit 270, so i i mean i I could see a India bounce back, and you know in uh for people who are uh, patreon subscribers, I actually had India higher originally, and then I dropped them uh late in the uh process like i I put out my rankings like December first and then <laughs> i I tweak for about six weeks um but yeah i mean i I think uh Jonathan India is probably probably fine if he's healthy i just don't know if he's healthy 100 percent. so i got a little bit of cold feet on him i i don't mind him just like the reason why i drafted him last year is because i do i actually i really like his uh like he he seems like he could be a star i just i worry a little bit about his health and maybe also about his um his desire (laughs) i don't know it was like it felt like i was getting weird vibes from all last year that was like you know it kind of turned me off a little bit so i'm probably out on him where i have him ranked but i have him ranked around his adp so i might draft him in a league or two to get back in on it but i'm not like i'm not a hundred percent sold he's 100% fine, you know?
1: Yeah, and I I think the problem that that you're going to run into, and I think maybe uh, I run into as well, is there's guys we've already talked about going after him in a lot of circumstances. So, it's like, oh, India went off the board. Well, I have two guys, three guys. I, I still have higher than him anyways, so... I don't feel that bad about missing out on him, even though I do kind of, I do believe in like the the true talent of him. I think he's a good hitter. I think he's a very solid. Like if he was one hundred percent healthy and what we kind of projected last year, like you're looking at like a twenty five home run. uh, I'd say seven to ten steal, maybe maybe fifteen on the high end. Um, like 270, 280 hitter if he just continued to grow, build off of what he had been doing, and then last year happened. So I still think there's still think potential there's for upside, potential upside here, but, upside but here. may just be priced they out because of the guys we ahead. like after him.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, have we mentioned Vaughn Grisham? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Can we talk <laughs> about you to you about Vaughn Grisham? <laughs> Moving on to your next tier here, Greg. Uh, we've talked about most of these guys, so I'm just going to kind of list them, and we'll talk about the one guy we haven't quite covered yet. Number 18 is Brandon Drury. We talked about him during first base. Uh, Luis Arias, Arias, same thing, first base. Jeff McNeil comes in at 20. We'll get back to him. Jake Cronenworth comes in at 21, and Brendan Donovan comes in at 22, all during the first base. So if you want to hear about them, you can go listen to that two-hour podcast. a great deal on But here at Jeff McNeil at 20, uh, last season he had nine home runs, four stolen bases, 73, 62, 326. You have projected for 10 10-home runs, three stolen bases, 89, 57, 306. I mean, he is just – he is the epitome of second base.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's, like, probably – like, he's, he's honestly – he's draftable – If your team needs batting average, like if you uh, if you have a team that you've drafted a bunch of anchors at batting average and you feel like you need a boost in batting average, I could see drafting Jeff McNeil at like 170 overall, like where his ADP is. But I also if you don't need batting average, then more than likely he's undraftable until like 300 overall, like there's no reason to draft him unless you need batting average. So, I mean, I could see drafting him. If your team needs it, but more than likely, I'm not going to be drafting them.
1: Yeah, it's there's a few guys that you can definitely get. Like they're, they're they're batting average guys, and it just depends on which one falls the furthest. Which one I'm going to take to be my like sub in guy, basically and when I when I feel like my average is maybe starting to slip.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: All right. So moving on to your next tier here, which is 23, Bryson Stott. Uh, last year he had ten home runs, twelve stolen bases, 58, 49. He had two thirty-four. Young projected for fifteen home runs, fourteen stolen bases, sixty-four, seventy, two seventy-six. Uh, you it seems like you like the average a little bit more. It seems like you're you're kind of in on Bryce's style a little bit more, at least than than maybe ADP and, and projections would say.
2: Uh, I think I'm actually. I think I'm probably around. ADP for him. Uh, I think. Uh, I think at this point, like this tier specifically, is like the tail end of like twelve team mix leagues, uh, specifically. And like you're at like and for fifteen team, I could see these guys being MIS or even maybe a utility if you uh, drafted a lot of hitters. Um, but probably MI. Uh, Bryson Stott to me feels like a, a somewhat of a floor bet with like, cause I don't see his average. I mean, not his average his uh, homers or steals being really like a huge, I don't see the huge upside for either of them, but I do think he could probably like 15, 15 is, isn't bad. I mean, it's just like when you're, when you're going through it during the season, it becomes real boring when a guy hits like, one homer and steals one bag like every 15 games like that that gets, <laughs> that gets boring real fast but you know on a deeper league team on like a uh, you know a 15 team mixed league or deeper definitely nl only like there's there's places for bryson stott not necessarily in a shallower league though
1: yeah, and, and he did miss some time last year. So the numbers that, that we said he put up last year is including that he did miss some time. So basically missed the first two months of the season. So there is a little bit of upside. 15-15 is certainly not out of the realm possibility. I don't know if I necessarily see 276, but we've had so much or there's so little, that, like, that he's done in the majors is that was his rookie season last year so i'm also willing to give him you know room for some growth after seeing 127 games up up in the majors moving on to number, on to 24, number 24, 24 is christopher, christopher morel last season last he had, season, 16, he had runs, 16 runs run, 10 stolen bases, bases 55 47, 47 235 you haven't projected, projected for 17, scores, um, runs, 17 um, runs, 15 stolen bases, 15 bases 61, 61, 67, 224. 224. Uh, I will uh, I'm a little worried about this as a Cubs run.
2: fan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can see you're wary. I, I, I see you're wary,
1: and I, and I raise
2: you second base is a really bad position, so maybe take a fire. Yeah, the Cubs are not good. Yeah, that's, uh, that's yeah, also true. Yeah, I mean – Uh, You know, I think uh, I think that the Cubs aren't good, could potentially play in his favor because it might get him at bats. um, Whereas on another team, they may be like, hey, who's the guy hitting 220? Let's get him (laughs) out of the order. (laughs) I I do worry that, like, you know, his skills are like, I think he's got good speed. So I, I think he could steal some bags. If he can get on base, like, I I do worry that, like, even last year he had a 320 Babbitt and only hit 235. Like, uh, I mean, he probably, like, that's probably a neutral Babbitt for him because he does have speed, like I said. But a 235 neutral average isn't good. (laughs) It's not, it's not great. So, I mean, I do worry that, like, if if Christopher Morrell is, like, you know, if he gets to, like, I don't know, May hitting 200 or under, he may they may find a way to get him out of the lineup. And then and then he's just like, you know, then he's droppable in a lot of leagues, in most leagues. Um, so I do worry that there is like, like I think his upside is interesting, like because he does have some speed and some power, but his downside is basically like droppable and you don't want him on your team anymore by May 1st. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the speed is legit. He could steal probably. I mean, he could be twenty-five stolen base guy if he if he just really wanted to, and the Cubs kind of just let him run every time he got on base. And if he could get on base, uh, which again I think is, is maybe the biggest issue. But yeah, I mean, the tools are there. Uh, he, he can hit the ball hard. He has g- great speed. I mean, phenomenal speed. So the the tools are all there. It's just kind of a. I would say like a poor man's Brunetto odor situation where it's it's kind of the, the reverse where Odor had more power, maybe a little less speed. Morel could maybe steal 25-30 bases, but it, it's also likely kind to come with a, a really bad approach.
2: Yeah, agreed.
1: All right, moving on here is Luis Arias coming in at number 25 for you. Last year, he had 60 home runs. He had a stolen base, 54-47-239. You a know, projected four, 20 home runs, three stolen bases, 68, 74, 241. Luis Arias is kind of one of those I feel like people are either completely out on and, and want nothing to do with, or, you know, there, other people are looking at him as kind of a, a decent value where he's going.
2: Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I was actually, I wrote a sleeper post for him last year, and I was, I was all in and uh yeah i've i've cooled on that <laughs> pretty pretty dramatically i uh i i just don't know like i think the power is real and i i think i don't think he's got any speed i think he could struggle to hit 235 like i i i worry that he could be like he might be a 25 homer 240 hitter which isn't bad i mean don't get me wrong i would take that especially where he's going in drafts but i do worry that he might be more of like a nine, uh a 17 to 19 homers 230 and that's just like i mean it's pretty much unusable so his floor is is real not good. It's a re- <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a real and not good. Uh, but yeah, his ups and his upside isn't really that great, but I mean it, it's okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean I I think the biggest thing for him right now that's working in his favor is the three position eligibility at second, third and shortstop. So that's really that's really what you're looking at for him. That's that's going to kind of balance the the reason that he's on your roster. But I do think there's upside for, you know, low 20s home runs, a handful of stolen bases. And he's going to hit – I mean, one would think he's going to hit no worse than six or seven because the lineup doesn't really have anything at the bottom right now. So there's no reason he couldn't kind of sit there and hit at the six, seventh spot.
2: Right. Yeah, no, agreed.
1: Yeah. Very boring, though. No, there's not a whole lot to be looking – there, I was trying to paint as rosy a picture as possible, uh, and that still sounded really not very interesting. (laughs) Moving on to the next tier here is Gene Segura at 26. Uh, You have him projected for 12 home runs, 15 stolen bases, 82, 54, 279. So just slightly better than what he did last year. Uh, I mean, Gene Segura is another just, he's a playing time guy. He's going to show up. He's going to show up higher in Rudy's rankings as we just continue to talk about Rudy behind his back. But, uh, I mean, a 33-year-old, I, I already did like Jose Altuve. And now we're talking about Gene Segura, who, you know, 10-13, 277 last season isn't overly exciting. Even though it was in under 100 games, there's there's still no guarantee that he's he's a full-time, playing-time guy this year.
2: Yeah. No, exactly. And, you know, I – I do wonder if, like, um, you know, he's kind of the guy who is, like, a deep league guy almost exclusively. I I do wonder, like, if you're – like, he's going at 80, an ADP of, like, 240. And, and that's for deep leagues. Um, you know, it's uh, – majority is 15 team leagues, I believe. So, at – in a 15-team league at 240, I get it. You're, you know, you're making a uh, a play for runs and RBIs, um, potentially uh, average as well. So, I mean, I can see it. But in a shallow league, if you're taking Segura, then just quit your league right after your draft, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 there's no point. Like, what are you doing? Like, there's nothing. Like, in a shallow league, if you're going for, like, a floor play, you're, you're drafting completely incorrectly. Yeah. <laughs> sorry <laughs> I'm sorry but like, like in a 12 team league G- Gene Segura should never be drafted no
1: he he really shouldn't be um I mean maybe he maintains the lineup spot more for the Marlins than he la- did last year and maybe he gets you 10 to 15 stolen bases but like you said that's it's so boring it's all floor so know your leagues nowhere that's you know nowhere boring. 125 played, hundred twenty-five games matters, and if that matters in your league, congratulations. You, you can go get Gene Segura. Uh, <laughs> next up at 27 is Quetel Marte. Last year he had 12 home runs, 5 stolen bases, 68-52, 240 at 137 games. You haven't projected for 13 home runs, 5 stolen bases, 68-59, 258. Um, I mean the thirty two home runs in twenty nineteen just seems like it came out of nowhere at this point.
2: Yeah yeah. <laughs> just nowhere. <laughs> I mean that is just I mean it screams uh bouncy ball, you know. It's like if nothing else, like if you were to just like you have one question for Rob Manfred, it's like well how do you explain Keto Marte, bro? <laughs> <laughs>
1: like
2: Kettle Marte is so, like, he is the poster boy for uh, Bouncy Ball versus Dead Ball. I mean, it's like, Kettle Marte is so clearly a 12 to 15 homer guy. And, you know, in 2019, <laughs> he, he became like Kyle Schwarber. It's like, oh, well, that's interesting how that happened. Hmm, I wonder. Huh. I, I question whether or not Kettle Marte has now become a power hitter. No, he's not a power hitter. It's the ball, man. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, I'm not drafting Kettle Marte. I don't. But I think some people actually are buying the bounce back on Kettle Marte, which is interesting to me because I don't know what they're expecting the bounce back. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's clearly. Like if you look at Kettle Marte, he's clearly not a power hitter. I mean, you could just look at him and be like, yeah, I don't even know how that guy hit more than 20 homers ever, and is everything. And he's got no real speed. He kind of like, I mean, the Diamondbacks have been, I mean, not all the time, not not uh, regularly, but they put they put tune him out sometimes. Like he's not like he hit he was only in 137 games last year. Yeah, I mean, maybe he lost, like, maybe he had an IL stint or something that I'm yeah, not remembering. But still, yeah, but still he's, like, I mean, he's so clearly a 12 to 15 homer 270 hitter, which is so boring. Oh, my <laughs> God. It's like, oh, my God, that is the worst. Like, that – I mean that he's getting drafted in front of a guy like Bryson Stott. It's just like seriously, man. Whoever's drafting Kettle Marte before Bryson Stott, it's like seriously. Just like just just admit to yourself, vanilla is your favorite ice cream flavor, and <laughs> and you and you buy uh, airplane insurance when you get every flight you get
1: on. Like it's like come on, man. Like live a live a little bit, like please. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the only thing that I can think of is is he should be at the top of the order, so he should get you runs, and he's hit for a high average before in bouncy ball seasons. But again, I think you're you're closer on you know your projected 258. That's somewhere between where you had and Rudy having, which is 258 and 268. Seems a lot closer to what to expect than a 330 guy like he was in that one magical season. Uh, moving on to 28, which is Whit Merrifield. Last year he had 11 home runs, 16 stolen bases, 70, 58, 250. You haven't projected for nine home runs, 15 stolen bases, 51, 57, 254. And uh, I mean, it's the last year his, his contract, so there's also some possibility of, you know, platooning or trade or whatever else with Whit Merrifield. But after I've already dragged him, what do you got on Whit Merrifield?
2: yeah i mean he's also extremely boring and i i do agree that at some point in like july moving towards august i wouldn't be surprised if Whip merrifield is either platooned or if the blue jays are serious contenders if they go out and they get someone and merrifield becomes platooned like he's just not really an everyday guy anymore i i wouldn't be i wouldn't be shocked if Whit Merrifield is a uh, bench slash platoon guy for the Blue Jays by like August first, now in most leagues that probably won't matter because you'll be able to replace Whit Merrifield. Uh, but in the leagues where you can replace him readily, you shouldn't be drafting him anyway. So
1: <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you, but you screwed up. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't really know about that. I'm going to be investing a lot in any Merrifield shares. Um, but, you know, I, I guess there's there's some room for it in AL only if you're chasing kind of the, the dual eligibility and, you know, a little bit of speed. He's always going to provide a little bit of speed, um, even though he's lost a little bit of his speed. Uh, I still think he's just smart enough that he, he's going to give you some stolen bases. But that's pretty much all I would be counting on at that point. Gray, we are getting a little bit long here. Uh, your your next tier is uh, equally boring as the guys that we've talked about <laughs> so far. There might be one or two interesting names. Anybody that you want to kind of, kind of highlight in this next the, tier?
2: Uh, you know, sometimes, I, sometimes I'll listen to other podcasts and not – not sports-related podcasts, but, like, you know, other podcasts. Anyway, sometimes I'll listen to them, and they'll have, like, a, a mark of, like, where I can fast-forward to. You should just, like, have, like, Von Grisham, like, mark.
1: <laughs> over and over again.
2: Jump jump to Von Grisham, uh, and, and then stop listening. <laughs> uh, okay, so, you know, I think there's, like, there could be something to, like, I mean, again, this you have to be in super deep leagues, but like if you're looking at like a deep, a deep league play, like a Vidal Bruhan is kind of interesting. Like it wasn't that long ago that he was like the next big thing, and everyone thought he was gonna like you know steal fifty bags and hit fifteen to twenty homers and like have good bat control, and everyone loved Vidal Bruhan. So I mean, and he's still very young. I question whether or not the Rays are going to play him every day just because they don't play anyone every day. But, I mean, if you're in a super deep league and Videl Brujan is sitting there at, like, right now his ADP is over 600 overall. So, if even at, like, 400 overall, Videl Brujan is worth a fire. You know, like, it's like Videl Brujan or... Nick Gordon, Ugh. <laughs> I mean, I would take the flyer on Videl Brujan, you know? Or it's like Videl Brujan or like Isaac Paredes. Like, yeah, I mean, take the flyer. I don't know. I mean, Paredes actually might not be terrible, but that's only because he's going to play every day. Um, one other guy, uh, I also really liked Luis Garcia, uh, the Nationals' Luis Garcia. Um, I really liked him when he first came up. He really looked terrible last year, so I don't know. I don't know how much I, I like him now, but if he starts hitting in April, I'm gonna be all about Luis Garcia. Like he's gonna be a guy who I'm gonna be like, grab him now. He's good. It's just he. I wasn't sure if he was gonna be good back in like December, November when I wrote up my rankings, but he's good now. Grab him. Like I can see Luis <laughs> Garcia being someone who I'm really excited about. As, a, like, a uh, hot potato. So, yeah, I would grab, you know, I'm talking about very late in drafts, but I would look at, like, a Luis Garcia or Vidal Brujan super late if, uh, you know, and maybe, uh, like, Rodolfo Castro. I don't know where he's going to – I don't know what to expect from him really, but maybe he could be something.
1: Yeah, I mean, he he could be something. I do like the Brujan call just because he could be a difference maker – in stolen bases, given plate appearances, and and if he can just figure out a way to get on base. Uh, Nolan Gorman is a guy we didn't necessarily mention. He came in at 34 you Um, I mean, he's only 22. They brought him up early and he's adjusted at every level. So I'm not willing to just completely write him off either. I'm willing to give him another shot. Uh, I, and then, you know, a lot of the other guys are just kind of. Kind of boring guys like Gavin Lux and, and Brendan Rodgers and, and Nick Gordon. Uh, Nick Gordon had a few, you know, decent stretches last year, but that's that's pretty much it, and there's a whole lot of boring here. I will say uh, I think we should talk about Trevor Story real quick uh, and just kind of whether you think he's worth even, you know, rostering. I know a lot of people will roster guys because they have the space to, to put them or the IL spot thinking they're going to come back and make a difference. I mean, are, are we even looking at Trevor Story as a difference maker anymore? No.
2: No. I I liked him as a bounce back before the injury, but the fact that he waited until January to get his elbow fixed like, "Oh, get out of here, bro." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I'm I'm out on Trevor Story now.
1: Yeah, I am too. I uh, I didn't like him really last year. Uh I'm I'm just going to continue that and just say that I'm probably never going to draft Trevor's Story, again, because his name is just going to carry probably more value than I'm willing to take at this point. So just wanted to bring that up before we get out of here. Gray, as always, if you have questions and you're listening, you can find us out on Twitter. I am, of course, at RazBdon and and Gray runs the at RazBall account. You can find us on YouTube.com slash RazBallFantasy if you want to watch us talk back and forth here. And if not, you know, that's fine, too. You can always listen to us where you get your podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, and wherever you're listening to it. And we'll be back next week with another set of podcast rankings. See you, Greg. All right. All right, ladies.